Welcome to the Designing Hollywood podcast in association with The John Campia Show. I am your host, Robert Meyer Burnett. Today's episode is sponsored by the Costumes Rental Corporation. Today's guest is a skilled and seasoned costume designer whose credits attest to her mastery of her craft amongst all genres. She's known for the work she did with George Clooney in films like The Tender Bar, The Midnight Sky, Suburbicon, and the upcoming The Boys in the Boat. She started out her career by studying fashion merchandising in the University of Missouri. After moving to Los Angeles, she became a freelance designer, hopping from job to job. And once she realized that working as a costume designer on film sets was something worth pursuing, she became an assistant to well-known costume designer, Mary Zofries. She has been nominated for several noteworthy awards and won three Costume Designers Guild Awards, not to mention many other nominations. She was also nominated for the miniseries Oliver Kittredge for a Primetime Emmy Award. Without further ado, it is my great pleasure to welcome Jenny Egan to the Designing Hollywood Show. Jenny, as I was saying to you, it's so great to have you here. You have one very cool resume, and I can't wait to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to it. I appreciate that. Well, I've, I've got to ask, I mean, obviously, before we get into the actual films, I'm always curious, You, all the designers I talked to, a lot of them started with ideas of getting into fashion. And then the industry kind of, the, the film and motion picture and television industry sort of grabbed a hold of them and steered them in another direction. Is that kind of what happened to you? Or did you always kind of want to go into movies and TV? Oh, that's funny. I didn't even know this job existed. I didn't, you know, I didn't put two and two together. I watched movies. Of course, I was a love and avid watcher. And of course, I saw the shows, I mean, the, the clothes, sorry, rather, in, in, in all of these films. And I, in awe, and how can I get that, you know, little town in Missouri, you know, wasn't always available to us. And so, you know, when I moved west uh, with the fashion merchandising, I didn't know what I was going to do, you know, and moving to San Diego, did a little playing, waited tables, trying to figure it out. And I, I headed north a little bit thinking, I've got to do something. You know, my parents sent me to college. This is, you know, I can't be, they'll be upset. So, you know, I moved north and had a lot of friends, you know, trying to take off in the industry and learn it. And, and I started talking and they mentioned costumes and, you know, just this is what people do. And I just really started getting interested in film in general, of course, because I loved it. How exciting would this be? And I got a job through a friend and small budget movie doing in the office, assistant production coordinator. And the woman I worked with so generously said, well, you know, wait, meet the costume designers. Because uh, I said, I think I want to do costumes. I think this is my place. And so she introduced me. And on the second film, it was the lovely Mary Zofries. And I said, I want to do what you do. Help, let, Can I work with you? What can I do? And slowly but surely, you know, I worked with them a little bit, did my best. And she invited me to go and to Florida and be a PA. And I just started from there, you know, at the bottom. And just in awe constantly of what is this? It's bigger than life. Well, you know, a lot of people, I, I too started out doing PA work uh, on horror films. And I, that's where I learned the art department and the costume department. And you too started as a, a production assistant. I've always maintained that I think everybody that wants to work in film or television should be a production assistant. Do you think that's still true today? A hundred percent. I mean, you know, and I, I do, I never got to go to film school. I didn't understand, you know, there's so much that I didn't know. And I think in general, there's so much you still don't know. The inner workings of film, it changes. I mean, it changes. It's changed so drastically since even when I started, you know, many moons ago, but it, it is just a, such a learning experience. And if you throw yourself in it, you know, both feet all the way in, asking questions, doing whatever asked of you, whether it be getting ice or coffee or lunch, soon becomes, can you do this? And you get in and you hear the conversation. You know, when I started as a PA, I would stay until the designer left. I would listen to everything that was said. I asked the questions, where can I be? And just stuck my nose in. And that's where, and people recognize it. And they see, look at that, you know, she works hard. This is something we're looking for. That's it. Just put your nose to the grindstone and keep going. And you will eventually get seen. And pe that's what people want. You know, they want somebody that's going to work hard with alongside them, push hard to help. Because it's, 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 
you don't do this alone and you need every single person, whether it be a PA, whether it be, you know, for us, your costumers, your assistants, your tailor shop, everyone is collectively putting the, all the work in to make this one thing happen, you know, in the costume department and every other department. So, yeah, I think that's where you learn a lot. Your education starts there. Right. Now, you were a production assistant on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? The Coen Brothers. Now, did you first meet George Clooney on that film? Yeah, I mean, meet is such a, you know, well, you know, he, from afar, I saw him running down, you know, in his overalls, but you know, you were present for, he'd come in for a fitting and, you know, just a generous, kind person always and, you know, and respectful. And so, but you know, it's always kind of standing in the background and, and on a film like Oh Brother, something so small and contained, like with the Coen brother things, you know, you were able to be close by and hear things you know you don't have your fitting room isn't enclosed you know and words are being said so you hear what actors are speaking or what they're looking for or the collaboration with the designer so yeah I mean do I get to see him from afar and you know hear his voice and think oh he's from ER <laughs> well I mean I, I asked that because then you went on and and you have a ongoing relationship with him as his costume designer on the films he's now directing and and that that relationship has continued on. You just did his latest film, The Boys in the Boat, which I was telling you earlier is a particular interest to me coming from Seattle because that story is one of those sort of it's a great Seattle. It's not a legend because it happened, and I'm so happy you guys have 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 worked on that film together. It's not. It's I know it hasn't come out yet, but very exciting that you develop that kind of relationship and that you have. A lot of the costume designers have these ongoing relationships with the directors or the cinematographers or the production designers that they work with, which is fantastic. And it's kind of great that you you seem to have that relationship with Ryan Johnson on the Knives Out films and Kerry Fukunaga. Uh, you work with him on um, True Detective and Beasts of No Nation. And it's it's great that you seem to have had those relationships that have served you well. Well, you know, and, and I appreciate them, you know, for, for entrusting me into their vision. And, you know, I think those relationships are, are formed through a mutual understanding and collaboration. And, you know, once you start to get to know, I think, a director or anyone you collaborate, I mean, it's a little bit easier, you know, for a director, you know, as you know, it's, there's so much on their brain and there's so much going in and so many people coming at them. But once you sort of get to understand some, somebody's the way they work or, you know, you, you know, sometimes we may assume or presume something's going to go away, but, but you also learn how to ask the questions without being overbearing or too much, or you know maybe, or you guess maybe how they're going to react. But it, it just becomes a little bit more condensed and, and, and more simple for everyone involved. And I think that is what is so wonderful about these experiences. You kind of understand, you can read it understanding a little bit, oh, I understand what what their thought process here or what they may be looking for. And it's, you don't, you know, it's also, in, it's intimidating and, and, and scary every time you start a new job, whether it be an actor director or just another director, because, you know, what you may interpret from the script may not be what they're looking for. And you certainly want to get it right. So I think those relationships make it a little bit easier to have that, you know, I can go straight in there and ask the direct question rather than, well, maybe you could, you know, wonder what they're thinking. You, you, it's a safe space. No, absolutely. Now, I have to ask you, I, I'm a big fan of your design work in, a, across the board in, in the films that you've worked on. Did you have touchstones, like we talked earlier about 80s movies? When you got into the business and started doing costume design work, did you have movies and things that you drew upon from your past that you really loved? Was there, did you have fame, like favorite, in terms of costume design, favorite films growing up? You know, I would probably say, yeah. I mean, like we said, the 80s, you know, any John Hughes film, I think only because it was, you know, touching my heart or touching, you know, why, how can this be? I'm with, I'm in this world that I feel so connected to, you know, and I think those kinds of things, you know, for me, again, not really knowing the connection between film and costume design, I don't know until later did I understand like, oh, wow, that touched me. Or, you know, I, I, I can't say anything specifically. It's only now where I look at it differently, you know, yeah. the way I watch a film and the way it comes to me that way. And I think for me, I think I'm, I'm pleased that I didn't because it, I think it sunk in in a different way. I wasn't looking at it, you know, making, 
thinking about it that way. I think just the love of film sort of helps. And maybe it's it's helpful for me because it keeps my mind open to what a possibility could be or, you know, not mimicking something or not copying something. I don't know, but I, I just, there's nothing that speaks out other than those films. I think because I just put them on, played them on repeat over and over, get the blockbuster video weekend, you know, was probably usually just one of those films, Breakfast Club or, you know, whatever they were, just so I could feel that say like, oh, I'm not doing this alone. Well, you know? it was to me, it's interesting because I, teen films were kind of like, if you're watching a Penelope Spheris movie or something, a punk rock movie, all the punkers kind of dressed the same. But if you look at a movie like Pretty in Pink, you had Ducky, who was like a mod or a, and then you had James Spader's character wearing his linen suits and, and, and Andrew McCarthy's character, like the rich kids, and that the fashion was what delineated immediately which characters and which groups they belonged to, but they were different than other movies of the time. And I think I started also paying attention to fashion, at least in terms like I was wearing Argyle sweaters and jeans and top side. Like, I, what the hell did I know where, where fashion in high school? And I, and I think that that's one of the things that was great about those John Hughes movies is there was a sense of style and fashion more so than your generic high school kid movies of the time. Like, I mean, I love risky business, but there's everyone's dressed kind of the same. There isn't a lot of fashion flair going on as much as I love that film. And I thought, like, I look, I think I, I look at movies that you did, like, Now You See Me. You mm -hmm. know, Now You See Me was a movie that that I oh, look cool. But when you went and saw it, the characters, there was a flair to all. The, I mean, there was a flair to everything. I think Louis Leterrier directed that movie and it 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 had a flair to it. And the characters had such panache. Yeah. You know, they're there. And, and, and that was very much a part of the the well, I hate to say mise en scène, but you know, let's go to film school. That that idea. <laughs> so when you when you started on a movie like like um, like that, like uh, now you see me, that it, it did have a cool factor to it. Now was that something that you started from the get go? Like after reading the script, did you think, okay, this is going to look stylish? These characters are going to look badass. Was that something that was in your that you wanted to convey from the beginning, or did that develop? as you moved along through that film? Well, that film in particular, you know, that was maybe, I think, the second film that I'd ever worked on. So I was, you know, terrified. And I remember them saying, you know, in order to get this job, you need to present in front of the studio. So it was one of those, you know, experiences where you, you know, you spent weeks preparing for something and in your idea, what is that? And you know, how, how do I do this? I don't know. You know, I'd been, I'd been an assistant for a very long time, but I still doing it by yourself or trying to understand it by yourself is a whole different ballgame. And I think it was just each one of these characters were cool and magic is cool, you know? And I, right. and I wanted to, that feeling that it wasn't, you know, top hats and, you know, bow ties or, or, you know, what this is. So I wanted to make it feel, and, you know, Louie was a big part of that. And, 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 he was really supportive and really, you know, by my side and helping me walk through it, discussing the characters. And, you know, I was so grateful for that because he helped me get that job and, and he helped me push me. And, you know, having the relationship with the actors that were, you know, like Woody and, and everybody in that that had such experience, you know, though you, you forget that those are also your teachers. Sure. You know, they're not, you want them to look as great as they do and, you know, help walking through those characters together. So that was a big teaching moment for me in, in learning how to develop character. Cause essentially that's the most important thing for me, character, you know, and how do we describe it through the clothes without being overbearing or, or, or being too much for the audience. It's, you know, you have to immediately jump off the page, especially when you have an ensemble like that, you know, each person needs to have their, you know, specific characterizations about themselves so you can, you know, move along the story. But, you know, then keeping it consistent, I think, is also really important. Well, soon after you did, we were talking about this earlier, too, the the first season of HBO's True Detective with Carrie Fukunaga. And again, Woody Harrelson was in that as well. Uh, again, a a show, the atmosphere was dripping from that. I mean, every frame. And part of that was the clothes and that the environment and and first of all did you get was part of the reason you got that job was that because of Woody Harrelson or was that just coincidental that he was in that show 
I think it was really coincidental. I mean, you know, my agent said, you know, they've been looking for a costume designer, you know, read these couple scripts. And, and so I did, and I thought, wow, there, this is incredible. Now this jumps off the page. You know, it was, you were just, your jaw dropped. Like I couldn't believe how well written something was. And, you know, I didn't really know much of Carrie's work at the time. And I went north to San Francisco to see my brother and he happened to be in Oakland. So we met up at a random restaurant where no one was at and thinking there's no way I'm going to get this job. You know, I just don't have the experience. But I think sometimes it's also like the meeting or the relationship or, you know, the conversation that you get into, you know, knowing the comfortability that you have with one another, you know, uh, can can he be comfortable to ask for what he wants or tell me no? Or what am I going to do differently than somebody else? Or maybe it's just right time, right place, right time. You know, I don't know how that one went down, but whatever it was, I wanted it. You know, when I read it, it was like, I'll do whatever it takes. And I put a big portfolio together, you know, I and tried to grab pictures from there and things that, you know, maybe not necessarily about the clothes, but captured a feeling, which is sometimes, you know, artwork or, you know, photography books or anything research like that doesn't have to be necessarily the clothes, but if they understand you get the feeling of the the, the product right. they're trying to give, that can, that can help so much. So it's not, you know, and then you jump off from there. I mean, that show also, I had a lot of time to prepare for that. And when I got down to New Orleans, I, every single wall in that office that I had was covered and it started at the beginning of the story and it went all the way through room to room. He could walk around there and see from a visual and not just about clothes, but atmosphere and, and, and locations. And not that I was taking that, but it just what my feelings were. And I think it, that really helped him to, he'd come and stare at the wall at different and take a walk around and everyone, you know, in the costume department or any of the other departments could kind of imagine where, uh, you know, costumes might be going. And I think that was just a collaboration, a really close team weekly going over the scripts and talking about, locations and costumes and we were all on the same page so I think and when you sit down that long with you know either your production designer your DP props everyone you're on the same page and you know and it's such a helpful tool to move forward and that that was the brilliance of that show it was just it was an amazing and that sort of really kicked off everything for for me I think you know but it was it was difficult to kind of keep it maintain that subtlety of it and was everybody going to get bored with what you know i was doing with woody and i think it was everything else it was the background atmosphere that was telling that story of where we were you know oh just incredible and and again the look of that show was so it was so hypnotic and it was so it really worked to tell that that story you guys did exemplary work on that wow. show amazing Thank you. i can't tell you how many times i've well, i told you but i i've watched it a lot there's a lot to learn <laughs> from that miniseries yeah then you jumped on and and i kind of you did two projects that i think again you did beasts of no nation which is a hard movie to watch a hard subject matter to cover and then you also did our brand is crisis which mm. again I, they're they're both movies that were not necessarily about very different from True Detective. You know, you're, you're in different parts of the world. You're in Bolivia. You're in Africa. You're dealing with with very topical subjects and and in in difficult, arduous conditions. But there's something I, I love the fact that you were kind of tackling these larger global issues. And again, a great job with with the design work that you did. Now, I have to ask when you're when you're working on these kinds of projects, like. Do you go to these countries? Did you go to Bolivia or do you go to Africa? Do you do you do you just steep yourself, immerse yourself in the research? Yeah, well, you know, with Beasts of No Nation, you know, Africa, it was we I, you know, Carrie has suggested, you know, take a look at Commodores, which was an actual, you know, ch child soldier group in at, at the time that, that is what we were what we were doing. And so I took the, and it was it's incredible. And so you just, it just leapt off the page. And, and, but the, the, the frightening part was I, I don't, I've never been to Ghana. I don't know what's there, what to expect, right. how to do it. And there's not a huge film, um, 
pool there of people that work. And so there was a, a woman there that had worked in, in some film and understood. So she was very kind of helpful. And so, yeah, then we just got on a plane and got over there and, you know, threw caution to the wind and went for it. You know, it was, it was hard physically, you know, it was not all of the things that you're used to having and it, it wasn't easy, but the one of the most rewarding experiences of my life, you know, to be able to make it through and, 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 and make such a beautiful film. I mean, it, you're right. It is very difficult to watch and it was probably even more difficult to film as well. Sure. It's just really hard. And then, yeah. in um, our brand is crisis. David Gordon green, who is such a dear friend, he, you know, suggested I come with him and the production designer on their scout when they went over. And so I hopped on a plane with them and went shopping and we brought all of this stuff back. Well, we, we eventually went back to film there for a little bit, but I brought some stuff back with us and we all, you know, each of us carried bags, you know, through security and customs. And, you know, it was a funny story. I remember we got through and David went first and the customs agent on the other side said, well, what is all this? And David said, oh, we just really like to shop. <laughs> I laughed. It's, it's for a film. Like, you know, they're going to let us through. It's okay. It's better to say it's for a film than, you know, but it was, you know, he was trying. But the experience of going there really anywhere, you know, even going to New Orleans when, you know, you walk around different parts of, of the city if you have time, or I did a movie called Widows and walking around Chicago and different places, you know, you get to experience what you're looking at or what you know you need to put you invest into the film and i think um by going to bolivia or ghana you know it just changes everything there's nothing like the real location no and and i again in a short period of time you started working with george as a director on suburbicon you did widows which is amazing you did the maniac tv series and hostiles which is another movie mm. with christian bale that kicks ass you're looking at the west you know, so you're 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 making crime thrillers in Chicago, you're or in American Animals, and then you're then you're doing period pieces like Hostiles or Suburbicon. I mean, you're you're the diversity of the stuff that you were doing in a pretty short period of time is pretty amazing to see how diverse your tastes are and just what what your work encompassed. And that's one of the things as I was looking into your past, how how impressive your career is because you you did widows is i mean you have an ensemble of 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 different kinds of how much fun was that for you to oh. work with them so i mean you know the sir steve mcqueen now you know he what an incredible not just as a director but an artist a human uh somebody that questions everything all the time and honestly you know working with people like that it it it, it forces you to push yourself farther, to ask bigger questions and grateful for all of that. And those women, each one of them in their own right are so extraordinary. And having that, just having that moment to spend with each of them and get to know them and see vulnerabilities and and just, you know, I love working with a woman, women cast because we just all learn so much and support each other. That's just, it's just the beauty. And of course, you know, led by the ferocious Viola Davis who could do no wrong. Oh. I oh. mean, and talk about diversity in terms of the kind of roles that she can play. And she just tears into them. And she was great in Widows. I oh, loved her just, in Widows. Yeah. And she's just, you know, she's such a beautiful person that really respects all of us and the department and, and respects the fact that I do costume design and really leans into it. And, you know, open to suggestions and working together with you. And I think that is the sign of a true professional and why, you know, she can open herself up. It's not about, you know, who she thinks she is, but it's about this character and allowing that collaboration for us to work together and hearing, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts? What do you see? Cause you know, we're, we're all an audience, whether we're working on the film or not. And I think that that's what is so extraordinary about her. What was it like working with George Clooney that first time as a director? Oh, terrifying. I mean, you know, I think it's terrifying in the way that, you know, you don't want to let, you know, your expectations are so high. And, and, and from a, this is a big movie star, you know, I mean, he's got a lot going on and he's done a lot of films. He's directed a lot of films. There's a lot of 
for me felt like oh, I can't disappoint, you know? So it was intimidating at first because I wasn't sure how much time will I get? Will there be a relationship? You know, I, he produced Our Brand is Crisis and I worked on that with uh, his producing partner, Grant Hesloff, who was present for that, the filming of that. And, and I think we got to know that relationship. And, and so I think that sort of opened it up. And so the first time it was, yeah, it was terrifying. I mean, but but then, you know, once you meet him and once you get going and, and you start collaborating, he's such a warm and, and, and engaging person and really open to it. You know, he'll let you know if it's not what he wants or what he's looking for. And it, it's it's nice, though, because you're not guessing, you know, that that's what's refreshing about working with George is he he'll tell you. And I appreciate that. No, I mean, it's, and I really like that film too. It was written by, again, the Coen brothers. So it goes yeah. all the way back to you were a production assistant on Old Brother, Where Art Thou? It's all, you know, <laughs> that continuum. Yeah, well, I, you know, I was lucky enough to work with Mary on many of the Coen brother films beyond Oh Brother. So I think, you know, and, and her, you know, working with her, her, her resume is also very diverse. So I, got, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to work on Westerns, to sort of have my, you know, film school education through the many years I spent. And I, I spent a lot of time assisting because I thought, you know, this is where I'm going to learn. This is where sure. I'm going to figure out. And, and you know, even though when you step out after that, you step into designing, it's still scary. You know, it's still that frightening. Is, am I going to be right? It's still on every movie. It's still the same thing. Sure. But you can rely on that and lean back into what you've been taught or what you looking at it saying, well, I, OK, I'm going to do this. And it just, it, you know, kind of moves from there. But with that experience, with all the, the time I spent as an assistant, really sort of helped me to move forward and, and, and into this diverse. I'm not afraid. And I, I like keeping it diverse because I, I enjoy the, I, the challenges. Well, that's it's so interesting because you have done contemporary crime thrillers. You've done 50s satires. Do you have a favorite genre that you like working in? Oh, no, I mean, of course, I really, you know, enjoy, you know, doing the period thing, but, uh, you know, different periods or different time periods. I think they're all just every film you do is a, a learning. There's learning lessons on them all. And so whether you apply it to, you know, 1895 or, or 1950 or 2022, there are lessons that help you, you know, move forward on the next one, whatever they are. And, you know, you, you the more experience you gain it gives you a little bit more confidence to tackle something maybe that you haven't done before. And, you know, it's just relying in, in the support of a team that you build together to, you know, question you and, and be by your side and say, that doesn't work. Or how do we get through this? You know, I think those are all the things, but, you know, now it's just a challenge and it's fun to, you know, if somebody's going to give me the opportunity to try something I've never done, you know, do, let's, let's go in there. Do, do you approach, even though you you worked in whether it's period contemporary or science fiction in the future like uh, the midnight sky do you approach everything the same way or do you have different approaches to different kinds of films you approach a period piece one way or a contemporary film another another way or is the process for you the same i guess i would say it's pretty similar i mean it all has to start from you know the the moment of you know the reading the script and then the the terrifying oh geez how am i gonna tackle this thing it's you know you're terrified of big picture big picture and so you i start with the broad sort of research and and and, and try to see okay what in general what is this what is a palette what is the feeling and then you can kind of because then you're saddled with okay this actor's available now oh my gosh okay i have to dive into that character right so it kind of depends on what comes up but there's always no matter what it is that overwhelming feeling i'll never get it done because i can't see the big picture so it has to be you're forced into starting okay this person's ready so i'll start there and then you start diving in character to character but i usually start before going into characters i like to build the worlds that we're living in, you know, the atmosphere and what, where are we, you know, and what's right. socioeconomic and all of those kinds of things. So it, and then you can kind of hone in on characterization a little bit more. Now, uh, but I want to get, obviously I do want to get to Glass Onion and do a little bit more of a deep dive into that, uh, obviously. But 
Uh, I'm also curious in terms of your relationship with the production designer and with your camera, your camera person. Um, do you work concurrently with them in pre-production to sort of work on that color palette? Like, will you change what you do based on, say, the cameras they're going to shoot with, lenses they're going to shoot with, lighting schemes, and the colors that the the production design or the art department is going to 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 utilize? Do you work in tandem? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, they're always on before me. They are always, you know, 10 steps ahead. So they're kind of a rock. You know, you turn once the job starts for you, you I immediately turn to the production designer and where are we? You know, what is this world that you've created? Because, you know, it really sets a bar for, you know, what they've been, you know, they have the ear of the director. They've been on, you know, scouts. They've found the locations. They're building sets by the time usually i mean there there are you know different reasons why we might come on a little bit earlier but in my experience they've been on and so they're kind of like you know your bible to say okay this is a color palette you know sometimes you might have started and you're off but you know i find what's really interesting is a lot of the times one once i meet with them we're really kind of on the same page i have never really found it to be you know a different maybe because it's on the page you know, and, and, and the scripts have been so wonderful that it's just kind of in there in the open. And so I, I find it there. And then, you know, I'll go to the DP or even the gaffer, you know, sometimes who can explain it to me in ways that I might not understand. Again, I don't have a great history of understanding all these things. So, you know, sometimes I have to look things up or sometimes I have to ask deeper questions and not feeling ashamed that I don't know. I mean, the cameras are changing, the lenses are changing. I have no idea. So how does that work and how does that affect me? Or, you know, and DPs are incredibly helpful most of the time in my experience that, you know, asking them or, hey, presenting them with things, colors or swatches, how is this going to work? And they're so open to it. And I, and I, I'm so grateful to that because sometimes I don't, sometimes I don't know, you know, it's really, it's, I'm not going to lie about that, but you know, the truth is you, we do have to work together and sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes they'll come to me. What are you doing with this? Because it may be bigger for the characters than it is for maybe the, the room or, or wherever we may be. So they, we both kind of lean on each other and, and that's the best part, really the collaboration. Well, speaking of collaborations, you you now have like I think it's still no maybe it's not in theaters, but it's going to be streaming in a couple of weeks again. Not uh, the Knives Out mystery, the Glass Onion, the second Knives Out film. You came back, you did the first film, the second film, totally different milieu, totally different characters, other than Benoit Blanc. Uh, you come back, second movie here with Ryan Johnson in this this franchise that you now have helped create. Um, this first of all, this movie is delightful, and I was a huge fan of the first movie. But again, the milieu of that film is entire is completely different from from this this new film. Uh, everything about it, the colors different, the feel is different, the characters are different, except Benoit Blanc. You know, and suddenly I gotta ask, when the when when you're gonna now dress James Bond. You know, and, and a man who has Tom Ford making his suits for him, and then some of the, the greatest clothes in the world. You're you're gonna you're gonna create a character with him. Like, what does Benoit Blanc look like? What was it like for the two of you to collaborate together? And 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 he speaks very highly of you. And and what was it like beginning to work and create the character, the look of the character of Benoit Blanc? And how did it change from Knives Out to The Glass Onion? Well, I think, you know, initially I had worked years before that with Daniel as an assistant on a film called Cowboys and Aliens. So, uh, you know, and he's an extraordinary human being and really funny and, you know, just his humor is contagious. And so I, I didn't know him well, but I understood that he is very relaxed and very, you know, he's very collaborative in the experience. And I knew that this was incredibly important for him in terms of it's a you know leaving bond or not the first one but you know it was kind of coming to an end and what this new character that he's building completely different than that so i just kind of knew it was going to be fun and i knew he was respectful and kind so it was it was a great leap off and just presenting him with things like thoughts and him going back and forth and it was a very open kind of conversation 
And I think the first one was keeping it simple. But what we sort of established was Benoit Bonk, you know, inserting himself into the location or wherever he's going. It's a chameleon. You know, I'm going to fit in and be this guy and not stand out in the crowd. So I think, you know, that's kind of the, the correlation between the two. I mean, no matter where he's going, you know, Daniel always says, I've been there before. Benoit Blanc has been to all of these places. So he knows what he's getting into. So, you know, he's prepared for that, although he kind of masks and keeps that like, oh, I don't know where, what is happening here. Why am I here? You know, but he plays it so well. But, you know, there is a there's a dapperness to him. There's he's still stylish. He takes care of himself. And that's the fun part. You know, it's not you know, it, it's there's something special about him and being that creative. And so it's it's incredibly fun. You know, he's just so open to it and he'll try anything, whether he thinks it works or not. He's still going to try it on, you know, and give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, he his performance is so. It's funny seeing him in uh, Steven Soderbergh's movie, movie Logan Lucky when he first started doing a crazy like an American accent, and <laughs> it, it was so what you you were not expecting from him. And watching him as Benoit Blanc, it's it's so great because that character is as indelible as James Bond is, and maybe even more fun because he's clearly having such a good time with it. Yeah. Now, now, I'd heard he had thrown out references of things for you, like movies like the movies of, of Jacques Tati or Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief. And w was that something that he was doing with you and telling you to look at these things? Yeah. You know, early on when it was like, you know, I started on and immediately it was Daniel wants to talk. And so we get on the phone and he threw me, you know, to Jack Tati and he and, and to Catch a Thief, two images. And, and I just got it. You know, I think it was it's kind of a simple, you know, you, you have, again, again, like the directors you work with, you sort of understand the character, but you also understand him and you know kind of where it's going or you think you know. And so then you kind of, that's that's your jumping off point. Because, you, you know, he knows this character way better than I. He and Ryan have probably been talking for the two years during COVID, uh, trying to figure out the story. You know, I know Ryan wrote it, but, you know, I'm sure Daniel came in at the end and was like, oh, I could do this. Or, you know, I'm sure they'd had those conversations. And so when that happens, then you just, it's a jumping off point. And so you start figuring those things out and you just bring it to him. And that's the fun, I think, for a lot of actors. And they say it a lot of time, walking into that room and don't know really who they're playing. I mean, it's on the page, but who, who, how am I going to do it? I think for him, putting on the clothes and standing in the mirror and posing and, you know, who's this new Benoit Blanc? You know, right. who is this guy going to Greece? And that's fun. And it's fun for us to see it happening, to evolve. Uh, well, other characters like Kate Hudson in this film, you, you created a gown for her that's just, it's unbelievable. And I, is it true that you were looking to her mom, to Goldie Hawn in, in a, mo oh, a movie yeah. like Overboard? Was that sure, true? That you were looking for her, her 80s work for inspiration for Kate Hudson? How could you not? I mean, extraordinary, extraordinary. And, you know, the character on the page sort of felt a little, you know, similar in certain ways. And it was just, it, that's such a beautifully well done movie. And I think for her, it, it was just how big can we go? You know, how Rudy is big and I've got to meet that without, you know, killing it. But it, it was a big deal. And I thought she's, you know, the big prince became really important. But with her, it started, you know, there was lots of research, a lot of talking about it. I remember we had made some stuff for the first fitting. She came in and I said, oh, by the way, Kate, we're making everything. She's like, oh, my God, you know, and that is the, the, the biggest compliment that a costume designer, I think, can get a lot of times is, because, you know, some people get t frightened of making clothes, not sure if it's going to work out the right way. And and but she is such a professional. And I mean, the, the experience was a joy from beginning to end. And there was never a moment that she, she wasn't pushing it even further. Oh, we could do this and this. And that's you know, that brings the joy to it because it's not it's not tough. None of those cast members Everybody knew what they were getting into. Uh, the success of the first one brings into this and knowing that they can trust their director like Ryan Johnson, who's written an incredible script and he's such a kind, caring, supportive person of everyone. And so I think they felt safe and we all done it before and they're like, well, I'm falling into hands. I can't, they can't mess this up for me. So that is just, it's just, it's a, it's a 
a family that I'm grateful to have been asked to become a part of. And I hope it continues, like they said, forever and ever until they both get tired of doing it. But I I'm along for the ride for sure. Oh, well, it's I mean, all those characters are so great. I mean, and having, you know, you dress a huge guy like Dave Batista. You know, and then and then of course Ed Norton, who's known as one of the great thespians who's working in cinema. Oh. You know, he 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 takes his work very seriously. And it was great to see him come back having a ball. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, is you know, it's always intimidating with people that have this experience and they're professionals, but each of them, like Edward, wanted to discuss this character at length, wanted to go through it which I admire and respect and am welcoming to all of it. You know, I often say this and it's, it's probably boring, but I give them the tools and they use those tools, however it is and however I can help them and adjust them or whatever they need. Essentially, that's what we are. We're a team building this together and all of their information and wants, I welcome it, you know, and Dave Batista was somebody like he came in the first, he was my first fitting on the film and he, I mean, I brought out, you know, the, the bikini and, oh, Lord, you know, <laughs> it's not the most exciting fitting to have for him. What do you mean I have to put this on? And then it went into the sarong and then the crocs and then, you know, just building that character was so fun. And him going, what is this? Not sure. But, you know, he, again, somebody that entrusted and into it and opened himself up. And it, I think it played out very well for him and all of them, really. And I also I do love the fact that you touched on Goldie Hawn because in the 80s, she was one of, in a way, her 80s comedies have kind of been forgotten. Uh, I don't know if I'll you ever forget. I mean, I'll never forget. Private <laughs> Benjamin is one of my favorite, one of the great costume jokes when they're giving her her fatigue. She says, do these come in any other color than green? You know, it's just one of the great. I hope I hope somebody releases that on on a 4K disc soon because man, do I love Goldie Hawn and and I Absolutely. love Private Benjamin. But so this, what I love about, um, uh, you, you know, you have you've had a tendency to work with ensemble casts, and I really love uh, your work with those ensemble casts because, like in Widows, for instance, the women are all very different. And, and you really bring the personalities forth through through their clothes. Now, I'm curious, when you meet an actor for a fitting, has there ever been a time when the character, when, when you see an actor, you've made something for them, and the actor then, after you've had a fitting with them, you're like, you know what, I want to change something. Because after interacting with them, you see that there's something that you might not have noticed or not not have known that they would have brought to something, and you, you want to change up your approach to sort of accentuate what you've seen with an actor now that you've met them? Oh, yes, 100%. It happens quite often, more often than not, I think. Well, you know, I guess it goes back and forth. It depends on how, um, what that first meeting like or entails or, or how big it is or how quickly, you know, sometimes the first Knives Out, they all flew in a week before and this was, wasn't it, but it was sort of, you know, get it done quick. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've had times where they come in, the fitting starts, it's not going well. You know, sometimes they don't always go well. Sometimes you get off on a wrong foot, maybe personality feels off. And I've stopped it. And I've said, you know what, listen, let's try this again. Let's all step away. You know, we could talk about this some more, or maybe it doesn't fit the right way, or we've got the sizes wrong, those kinds of things. And then you come back and you start again, you know, because we don't always get it right. And, but, you know, I think more importantly than it fittings, yes, but it's also sometimes when you start filming, you see the, the way the actor approaches, even maybe the second day, third day, you know, something in, and you're like, oh, this is how they're playing it. And it, that then evolves the costumes and the characters and you, you, the light bulb goes off and you think, oh, wow, I need to go this way. Or a right. funny story through Detective once we were filming and Woody Harrelson, I had striped shirts on him all the time. And Matthew McConaughey had solid shirts. And Woody was like, well, how come I'm always wearing stripes? And I was like, you want to wear solid? Well, wear solid, but you've worn stripes before. You know, you've got to go back and forth. And then we had to wait, you know, like 15, 20 minutes. And he was like, no, we'll just go. And I said, no, you wanted the solid. We're going to do it. You know, so it's kind of like it isn't as easy as everyone thinks it is. It takes time. So I think it's just them understanding you, understanding each other. And, you know, you hope you trust in, in that relationships that you build from the beginning. But yeah, it's not always it's not always fun and games. And sometimes it doesn't fit. 
or you get it wrong and you feel really uncomfortable, you feel bad and how am I going to get this right? And it's really, it's depressing. It, it is because you want to be great. We all do first time around, but we're not, we're not, we're not perfect. And so mistakes happen and you hope that you don't get fired. <laughs> well, listen, uh, before we run out of time, I, I want to ask you, obviously you, it's so much fun to speak with you. I could probably talk to you for another four hours, but um, with a lot of people now, we, we've got Instagram, we've got social media, people are being able to share their work more than they've ever been able to do so before. But having traditional, having a great foundation, whether it's academic or whether it's because you've apprenticed or or done the kind of work you need to 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 make it in the industry, what advice could you give to up and coming designers who maybe want to follow in your footsteps? Not take your jobs though. <laughs> well, they're going to, you know, at some point that it just happens inevitably. And, 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 you know, and, and, and that times change and they evolve and, and, and the way we work has changed. And I, my advice, again, like we talked about in the beginning and is PA, you know, I think like starting out from the bottom and understanding a, how maybe the whole department works or if costumes or art department is something you really want to do. That's where kind of you can learn and understand. You might want to go try the set or you might want to try something. And that's OK. But as long as you work hard, I would say, you know, and always remember, maybe if it isn't you don't agree with the way that somebody works or you don't like that. Remember, you can always do it your way when you get your job. You know, I just remember learning that as I was coming up and working in, in different things and understanding and seeing how different my set worked and, oh, I'm going to do it a different way or, or just because maybe I thought it was simpler, but it, it isn't mine. It's mine to sit back and, and learn. And I think that's just listen and, um, be aware and be present and work hard. I think that's at the end of the day, ask how you can be of help and you will learn and it will all come and kindness, I think across the board, because, you know, like we always say that PA working alongside you on set probably will be your producer. And it has happened for me, you know, it's right. happened. And so I don't think it's just inherent in you. We're all kind just remember that every day when you step either into the office and, and, you know, we all have moments. We're not all perfect again, but I think kindness overall and respect for each other, no matter what you're doing. That's great advice. Perfect. Yeah. Now, are you on social media? Can people follow you on Instagram? You know, I am. This is, I, you were just saying that I am the worst. I am on Instagram. I just, it's very hard for me to, um, promote myself. I think it's such a, it's an uncomfortable thing for me because I don't know, it's, you know, I feel like I'm gloating or it's, I know, but it's really important. And I appreciate watching my colleagues and, and my, my friends, and I support all the designers that do it. I think I'm also really bad at it. So I'm not <laughs> sure, you know, I asked a friend the other day, I said, can you help me? Cause I really don't know how, and I don't want to sound like ignorant out of touch tech, you know, non-tech able, but I do need to get better at it because not only for me, but the support of the film. And I know people really want to know. And yeah. I mean, if you think of it as an academic exercise that, that sure. so like someone like myself, it'd be great to have a repository to go and see what was Jenny Egan all about and take us through your various projects, the development process and show us your thought process. I mean, I know it's asking a lot and it's just, I just like it for my own edification. It's cool to see. And now that we have these, this great communications technology, it's cool to have people who are willing to share those things with us. Cause people love to see how your process and how you came to where, where you came to on, on, you know, I'd love to have seen a whole development process of true detective or now you see me or, or glass onion. It would have been great. Well, you know what? You're giving me a push. I think over, you know, over the holidays or, you know, in the coming year, maybe that's that's my goal. Cuz your work is up. your work is very cool. Like you do have well, a very cool. Like I'd love to see how you came up with all the spacesuits and, and stuff for Midnight Sky, but that's a whole I could talk to you about that for another hour. Um now you in addition to The Boys in the Boat with George Clooney who directed that, um you have another Ryan Reynolds collaboration. You did The Adam Project, which I again a, a very fun movie, and you're working with director John Krasinski on Imaginary Friends or you already did. Yes. Yeah, just finished that up and just got back from New York and you know, I 
I, it, I pinch myself all the time. I really, it, it is such a, a wonderful time and I enjoy having these relationships with people and, you know, forming relationships with directors that then I know, you know, George and John Krasinski have, have a, a lovely friendship. So I'm sure at some point there were words exchanged, you know, and I, and I thanked Mr. Clooney for that, you know, thank you so much. And he said, oh, you know, all terrible things were said. I don't know how you got that job, but you know, it, it, it is appreciative and, you know, we work, but again, it's a consistency of coming at every project with the same strength and, 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 and wanting greatness from all of them. So it's not, you don't ever sit back and I don't ever try to take a, a break because they're each important for every filmmaker and for myself, because you don't know what the next thing is. You know, right. of course, we're all the same. There's no job. I'm never going to work again. But, you know, this this film business is is tricky that way. But I am grateful for every experience that I've had to this far. And, and not one bad one. Not one. No, so. and I got to give a shout out to Ryan Reynolds himself, sponsors this YouTube channel that this show is on. So thank you, Mint Mobile. And thank you, Ryan Reynolds. And Imaginary <laughs> Friends is coming soon. Yes, thank you, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> well, Jenny Egan, I want to thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Thanks for returning back here to the Designing Hollywood podcast, and I can't wait to see what you do next. Robert, thank you very much. It was such a pleasure. I enjoyed it. So much fun. Well, thank Happy you holiday. again. Happy holidays thank you. to you. And thank you to our very impressive sponsor, Costumes Rental Corporation. The variety of costumes at Costumes Rental Corporation is expansive. CRC is recognized worldwide as the premier supplier of military and police costume uniform rentals. Costumes Rental Corporation takes pride in its commitment to each customer, helping to produce the type of exceptional look needed for a successful production. A special thank you to founder and executive producer Martika Ibarra, co-founder, costume designer, the legendary Marilyn Vance, and of course, John Campia from The John Campia Show. Our technical director is Taylor Gonzalez. Thank you to all of our viewers for tuning in and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tune into the audio version wherever you listen to podcasts. I am, of course, your host, Robert Meyer Burnett, and you can find me on Instagram at rmburnett or find me on Twitter at burnettrm or on YouTube at postgeeksingularity. Thanks very much. Like, subscribe, and give us your comments. What would you like to see on the channel? Right down below. Thanks very much for watching, and we'll see you on the next episode of Designing Hollywood.